You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of Legends of Runeterra. This episode is supported by listeners like you. To become a supporter of Legends Cast, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift. I'm outside of Pittsburgh, PA. I'm one of your hosts today, and with me is my faithful and ever-present co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing, man? Well, it's uh, we're doing another one of these Saturday morning things, so... I stayed up way too late last night playing video games, and so now I'm very tired. I was up too late playing video games too, but I suspect that you were up later than me. I don't know. I mean, maybe you're just like with uh, with being a father, you're probably a little more conditioned to like a lack of sleep than me. <laughs> that, that could that could that could be. How late were you up? So I went to bed at uh, two in the morning. Oh yeah, that was later than me. What were you playing? I was playing uh, Marvel's Avengers. I went ahead and bought a AAA game for the first time in a long time nice. uh, at full price. But wow. I am the biggest sucker for Marvel superheroes. Like anything, it, it can be anything, and I'll, I'll probably at least be tempted to buy it. Um, and I saw people like raving about how good the campaign was. And I, I've heard the multiplayer is like really fun, uh, but like the loot system's kind of weird and stuff. But I don't really care. Like, if I get my thought process there was like, I just like, I'm really excited about the camp playing the campaign. And if I have fun with the multiplayer too, great. If not, whatever, you know? Um, but oh my goodness, I'm having so much fun. I put the difficulty mode on hard uh, for the campaign so that it'll take longer. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm always the I play medium first guy uh, or normal, whatever normal is. But I don't look for challenge in, in single player games a lot of time, just to be perfectly honest. I'm like, I'm in it for story, and, and that's a lot of times why I play them. Well, I was just up a little past midnight because Elder Scrolls Online, which is my MMO that I play most evenings. Speaking of, if you play Elder Scrolls Online, make sure you give me a shout out because I'm always looking for some people to play with. By that, I have no one to play with. Um, and they released a new sort of like, uh, it was like an event, but if if everybody participated in the event across the globe, it would unlock a house, a free house for everybody. And I have never done housing in the game, but it was this really cool sort of like Nord, uh, like uh, we had like a waterfall, you're like in these this like pine forest mountain lodge. And uh, I thought that was super cool. So I spent all night last night, uh, you know, setting up the house and decorating things for the first time and putting furniture and crafting stuff. And I have not ever like tapped into that side of the game, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and then this morning I woke up and because, you know, yes, you you were up later than me, but my kids start my day about 630 at the latest every day. Um, and uh, and so, you know, no fail. My my daughters started our day this morning. They were in our bed at six o'clock or six. 30 in the morning and um i came downstairs uh and we put on the tv for my oldest 
and I pulled up my iPad and I thought, you know what? I need to build my decks for the league because the league starts mm-hmm. uh, like on the day that this episode releases. The league has officially begun. So if you're listening to this episode and you haven't signed up yet, unfortunately, you are too late to sign up for season two of the league. Um, uh, all of the information should be coming out about the first round of Swiss play. We've had a lot of new players join, which is really exciting. Um, I don't know what our total is. I haven't heard yet uh, what our total number of players is, but I'm thinking we're like between 25 and 30 total mm-hmm. players for this season, which is really exciting. Speaking of, uh, if you missed it, uh, the winner of this league, which is Cross Shard now, uh, wins a Legends Cast hat, an interview, and $50, and uh, in the form of iTunes or Google Play. I think second place wins like 20 um, mm-hmm. 20 bucks, and then third place wins 10 I think is what we decided. Yes. Um, and so I'm, I'm getting to play in it, but DBN was really clear that he didn't want me to win. So he wanted to put restrictions on me to handicap me because I came so close to winning season one. Um, which I is can't so- interview my other co-hosts that I have every week. <laughs> it doesn't work. Hey, that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. Uh, so the restriction is super fun and really creative. Um, so somebody from our patron chat, speaking of, if you are one of our patrons, you become a patron. Not only do we do a drawing for a hat every month for you, which we're going to do right now, um, but or, uh, during this episode, um, but you also have a special patron chat in our Discord that only you have access to along with the admins and me and dbn and so uh they made suggestions on what my restrictions should be and dbn made the final call dbn you want to tell me what my restrictions are i mean tell everyone i know i know but there was a lot of uh there was a lot of choices in there some really good ones by the way with the patreon uh discord channel uh we do want to be doing a lot more with that i think what we're going to start doing and i'm just making this up on the spot but i'm thinking we might uh accept like one question from the patreon to answer on uh, oh, that's a good idea on the episode every week so um you know and if you guys have suggestions if you are a patreon supporter and suggestions uh I, I will probably occasionally put like boats up or stuff like that for uh the patreon supporters to kind of influence the show because after all it is you who are supporting us uh and what we do so uh, I think it's only fair that you have at least some sort of, uh, you know, input. Um, but I will probably start trying to source uh, questions from Patreon supporters for us to answer on the episode. Probably just one every week, but I mean, still, that that's pretty cool. But anyway, so everybody was submitting different ideas, uh, and they were all over the place. Some of them were absolutely brutal, and and uh, really brutal, really brutal, just really brutal. And I didn't want to do, I, I didn't want it to be unfun for Mark, you know. Um, and so we had everything from like uh, tribal things, which I yeah, I was really leaning towards tribal, but I know that Mark probably wouldn't be super excited about that. Um, there was ideas for like singleton or um, like you know mono mechanics where you could only have like one keyword or <laughs> uh, you know some crazy stuff like that. But in the end, I think the one that found like felt the most fun to me was a suggestion from I'm I'm looking it up uh, the juice. And uh, the juice suggested uh, basically a League of Legends lineup. So one champion, so five different champions, one copy of each, just yeah. like you would play in League of Legends. And I took uh, that I took that a step further. Oh, 
I oh, did you? I, I did five champions, one of okay. each. So I'm one champion short, no doubles of any champions. And I made sure I filled all five rules in a typical League of Legends game. Oh, so, that like support so and like. I have an ADC, a support, a jungler, a top laner, and a mid laner in each of my decks. This is amazing. Yes. So let me quickly tell you what are my five decks, tell you what my are in my five decks. So I am playing Mono Frail Yord because it's the only one that has all five rules. I am playing Sejuani Jungle, Anivia Mid, Trundle Top, and Braum Ash Bot Lane. Um, so that's oh my, my that that's my 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 solo frail yord deck. I am running a Noxus Ionia as well, and in my Noxus Ionia deck, I am playing Karma Darius Bot. I'm playing uh, uh I'm sorry, Karma uh, uh, Karma Draven Bottom. So that's my ADC support. I'm playing Darius Top, Swain Mid, and Lee Sin in the jungle. Um, which I'm, I'm really excited about that one. That one is going to be a lot of fun. And then I went with uh, Demacia Targon, and I'm playing Lux mid, Quinn in the jungle, Garen in the top, and then Leona Lucian as my bot lane. And then my last deck, I, I you, you were supposed to make three, but I made four because I wanted to try to represent like as many factions as I could because my decks are going to be guarded. Something's going to get banned. Um, and so my fourth deck is Shadow Isles with uh, Bilgewater. And in my Shadow Isles Bilgewater deck, I am playing uh, Thresh Callista as my bot lane, Gangplank as my top twisted fate as my mid laner and nocturne in the jungle so i'm really excited about it uh i was i was really i i like i actually think i like the the solo frail yord deck the most in spoiler my uh my my shadow isles bilgewater deck is just solo it's just mono shadow isles but it just runs uh two uh two bilgewater champions in there just uh it's got uh, tf and uh and gangplank in it but everything else in that whole deck is um built around shadow isles uh, but i'm i'm really excited i think they're gonna be fun i played each one of them on ladder not on ladder but just unranked matches because they're not good right a couple of matches today and mm -hmm. uh none of them went like smashingly well except for the frail yord the mono frail yord deck because i was able to pull the allegiance and uh give something plus three the top card of my deck plus three plus three and overwhelm which turns out to be pretty good when it hits the right thing um and then i did win a game with my uh with my shadow isles bilgewater deck as well um so i'm really excited about this i think it's gonna be fun and honestly after i've tried it i'm kind of like okay maybe let's say a year from now another like the rest of this expansion cycle another full expansion cycle and the release of the beginning of another set of cards like if we get like another dozen plus champions and another region between now and then this could be something for like legends cast discord league like season four or five where you make everybody do this because it is a really fun restriction to play around with and it makes the decks so less consistent it's so less consistent because the champions are typically really what you build around right you choose your champions and then you pick followers and spells that sort of make those champions tick and in this case 
case, you kind of have to try to prepare for every eventuality a little bit. You're like, okay, I have a few freezes. If I get Gash up, I might be able to level her. Okay, I have enough spells in here that if I get Lee Sin out, I might be able to level him. Okay, I have a couple of copies of Remembrance. If I get Lux out, I might be able to remember or uh, level up her. And uh, it's kind of fun to sort of play around with a couple of champions and you almost like develop a carry. Like you almost look at your deck and you're like, okay, um, I'm gonna build around two of these champions. Hopefully I get one of them. And this one is kind of like my primary carry because this is the one that's gonna be the easiest to level up. And uh, that's kind of, it's a lot of fun. So I had a lot of fun building these decks and I think it's a possibility for a, a deck building restriction for everybody in the league in the future. Cause it's, it's super fun to play. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was actually just thinking about like what I would do with that now. I really love that you went and like paired up supports and junglers and whatnot. That's awesome. That's like an extra step that makes it like even more fun. Um, but I was thinking about what I would do. And, and my, my thought was kind of like basically playing more of like the Tessel good stuff style, like mid range or control potentially, yes. you know, where, you know, a lot of the big name characters were, uniques and so you kind of contextualize your deck as i can't rely on getting just because you know rentera you you build your decks the idea of like i can play three copies of this champion who you know it's easy to find and i can consistently you know rely on part of my game plan but in tessel you know you you couldn't rely on any one card being part of your good plan or part of your game plan so you play just a lot of good all-rounder cards and i was thinking it might be really the way to go and the way to move forward with the deck is just kind of focusing and really building more around the synergies of your non-champion cards and so i think that's an interesting little deck building restriction and one that obviously mark is going to be experiencing <laughs> this yep. uh this season yeah yeah I, I agree i mean the best deck that i built i'm sure is kind of the frail your deck just because Sejuani, Ash, Braum, and Trundle are just good. Like, even if you play them on their own and you never level them up, like, all of those cards are excellent. Um, uh, you know, Anivia is the one that is kind of like, well, maybe not. Like, you kind of have to build around her because you want to get multiple Anivias on the board, and I'm not going to be able to do that. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm excited for the league, and I'm going to be getting into that uh, here soon. The other thing that's been going on in our Discord a lot recently is D&D &D games. So if mm -hmm. you play Dungeons and Dragons, or let's say you've never gotten into Dungeons and Dragons before, but you wanted to, we have a big West Marches game going on that is set in the Runeterra universe. So several of the members of our community have decided to be dungeon masters, and they are guild leaders of the various regions of Runeterra. And so we have, you know, the Demacia region, DBN is the Ionia region guild leader, and they sponsor one-off or multi-part sessions, game sessions in their region, and they post them on the bounty board um, with how many people they're willing to take and then different guild members which is you guys if you create a character um, get to join in on one of those quests so you can have one character so you create a character and every time you play you play that character and you might be in with a couple of people who are higher level or lower level than you depending on how frequently you play there's play by post there's play by voice chat there's currently literally three play by post games going on right now typically over the weekend there are a couple play by post games i have not done my initiative 
appreciation yet. I was going to do it this week with DBN, but I had a crazy week uh, with work. I was doing a lot of stuff involving, um, we had a big training this week, like a big online training. So I was in it all week and I did not get a chance, but hopefully like this weekend, I'm going to get, I don't even know. I'm preaching this weekend for my work. So um, maybe, maybe like beginning of next week or the following weekend, I'm going to finally get my, uh, my Ionian monk uh, anthem uh, through the initial training and uh or through the initial guild initiation so i can start playing that character um but i'm personally really excited because i don't get to play a lot of 5.0 um and so i uh i'm excited playing it so maybe you're maybe you listen to this and you haven't joined the discord yet and you've been thinking about it and you just really want to play dungeon and dragons for the first time and learn it or you've been playing it but you don't have a consistent group uh this is a great way to get a little bit of DD in your diet uh and join our discord mm-hmm. at the same time yeah and, and it's definitely not one where like like you sign up, you play that mission, and then once that mission's over, if you need to take a month off, like that's what it's kind of built around is the idea that like, you know, not everybody can line up a consistent schedule to play on a weekly or biweekly basis, and so that's not. So why try to force that, especially when you have a lot of people that want to play? And I'd say there's like, you know, well over a dozen active players right now, with even more kind of getting initiated. Uh, and so the yeah, the way we're talking about the initiation thing, it's basically like one of us will run a very short quest just to kind of get any new players caught up uh, on it and just to kind of, I don't know, theme sure. how it how this guild, you know, operates. I will say, Mark, you know, we have uh, um, one game that's gonna, about to start and it hasn't started yet. So if you're free this weekend, you should jump into game room one for uh, to if you want to do the initiation with my character. My character is a Yeti named Woonga. Woonga. So, Woonga. Yeah. So, that's really uh, cool. If you wanna if you wanna join uh in there, you can you can check that out. We haven't really started yet. It's like the first couple posts, so there's still time to jump in if you want. Ooh, um that's tempting. That's tempting maybe yeah, <laughs> you can play with me. I'm, I'm thinking I might a do barbarian. It. I think I might <laughs> do it, man. I think I might be convinced. That's cool, yeah um anyway so that that's going on guys you know it's really funny just seeing um just seeing how much our discord has evolved and shifted and changed from the days of us just like talking about tessel decks you know (laughs) it has become this entity all on its own you know what i mean sure in many ways it's like it's it's whole own community at this point i mean in many many ways like it's 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 its yeah. own beast it's its own beast now you know there's so much more going on in there so if you haven't joined the discord consider doing that um believe it or not we are going to talk about legends of runeterra today um the deck that i've been playing this week has been uh mono shadow isles uh aggro and i think i talked about it last week but i did a little bit of refining and really got into it this week and uh and i have not had a tremendous amount of time to play mostly because of just life being busy and uh, i'm still sort of like I'm still sort of hooked on the new TFT season, um, but it is a Callista Nocturne aggressive Shadow Isles deck that's running basically. I mean, the top end of it is Wraith Collar, so that's the most expensive card of the deck. Is, is there's three different four drops: Nocturne, Risen Mist, and Wraith Collar, um, and have really been enjoying it. So I ground. I, I lost a couple of games because I was like playing while distracted or whatever but originally uh i won i think 12 games in a row 12 or 14 games in a row Mm. i went from like gold four to halfway through gold one without losing a game um it was just so aggressive i had one turn where i played 
Bark Beast turn one, and then I played Cursed Keeper turn two. Turn three, I played Bark Beast, Bark Beast, Stygian Onlooker, and then I ate my Cursed Keeper with my Ravenous Butcher. I had a 4-1 with Fearsome, three three threes, a 3-2, three, and a 4-3 on the board on turn three. Mm. I had a mm, full mm, board mm. and could deal 20 damage on turn three. 20 damage wow. on it was <laughs> yeah as it turns out bark beast ravenous butcher and cursed keeper pretty pretty strong uh so yeah there's definitely ways and it, it's 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 been a really fun deck so that is what i have been messing around with and playing this week i have been watching a lot of streams though and i know dbn you've been watching a few as well um but i was watching bb bbg stream as it turns out um swain tf is still really good <laughs> It's still really good. And there are a lot of Lee Sin decks around. A lot of people playing Lee Sin. That's kind of like, I don't know if it's the mm -hmm. flavor of the month. I don't know if he went from like zero to hero for real, or if it's kind of like Aurelian Soul where he was just being played a ton, but we all kind of thought, I don't know that he's great. And, and actually he sort of died off before this recent round of, of adjustments we got. Yeah, I think, no, I think Lee Sin is definitely for real. I mean, I was very... I think clear on my stance of he's he it was there is maybe the the defensive uh nerf was like slightly reduced his longevity but when he can give himself barriers off of burst spells he's super hard to kill he comes down earlier i mean i i i hate to say i called it but i really feel like i called it besides the fact that i felt like he was good before and it was just stubbornness or public perception that stopped him from being played before you know what i mean I, I really do feel like this game really more so and i think partly because of all of the options that are out there um right now which i think is a good thing the way you can kind of combine because like keep in mind um like if you're comparing uh runeterra to hearthstone now i think tesla is a different comparison but you know the of these big name games that have really gotten tons of public attention like hearthstone was super limiting in terms of like how you could build your decks and the amount of options because you could only play within your class yeah. right um whereas tessel the complete opposite right you would have a lot of like you would have a larger pool of top tier decks and you tended to have a lot of like viable things that nobody knew about like especially during like what i picture to be the heyday of tessel which is like for those of you who are familiar and who still stick with it like um like isles of madness through like alliance war so like like the three or really through moons of so like the three packs yeah the, there those three were really good that was like the golden years of tesla in my personal opinion i know a lot of people disagree with me they like to go pre tricolor but you know i don't hate tricolor entirely um the point being I think this game, more than anything, because of the massive amount of choices, and I think deck building is a lot harder in this game than Hearthstone, and because people aren't forced to go, and if somebody's a fan of Bilgewater, they can go and build 17 decks and not explore everything. Whereas if someone's a fan of uh, Shaman in Hearthstone, eventually they explore everything and they build like three or four decks. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. and so anything that's not known or not like obvious will get figured out like it, it 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 won't get like this game takes a lot longer to get solved and i'm of the personal opinion it's never truly solved 
Um, and people tend to go be way more swayed by public opinion and by what the top tier content creators say is good as opposed to uh, really kind of forming their own opinions on things that those top players aren't talking about. So like, I'm not saying Lee Sin was top tier meta before, but I felt like Tarek Lee Sin was like legit, very strong, as opposed to a lot of people who felt like it was just kind of meme I felt like it was legit, very strong. And that was pre-nerf, yeah. pre-buff, excuse me. And now he's four mana. Like, I think Lee Sin is absolutely legit. The card is both a, you know, mid-game brawler and a win condition all on its own. Ooh, he's like a better Yasuo in terms of how you want to play him. Like, yeah, like, he's really strong. He's, yeah, no, it's... it's um. And leveled mm. up, he is so scary. He's so well, scary. And now people are trying him out with Zed, and that's like, that might, that yeah, might was... be flavor of the week. But I don't think it is. I was actually just going to bring that up because I've played against the Zed Lee Sin deck a couple of times. And it's like, so it's, it's, it's Lee, it's, it's Ionia Targon, but it plays mm -hmm. Zed and Lee Sin because yeah. all of the spells that are really good on Lee Sin are very, very good on Zed as well. Yeah, they're still good on uh, Zed. They're yeah. really good on Zed. What? Um, as it turns out, the we're going to talk about this in a minute, but maybe the biggest ripple in the latest patch notes is Bastion. And, oh, my God. Uh, they, they, yeah. It's insane. And Bastion on Zed is crazy. Crazy. I, they, I don't know why they felt Bastion needed a buff. We gotta get into that. We gotta get into that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna hold off on that because we are gonna get into the patch notes in a minute. But I think that if you're looking for, okay, what's the best Lee Sin deck out there? And I really want to give Lee Sin a try, but I haven't really figured out because there were a lot floating around. There was like a Lee Sin Draven deck that I was playing. There's a Lee Sin Taric deck that's floating around, which I think is is in competition for being the best version as well. Um, but I think that the best version is Ionia Targon Lee Sin Zed. At least that's the one that I've seen mm -hmm. that is like probably the most dominating at this point i think there's other options out there i did see lee sin yeah. lux that we had talked about before but i do think that lee sin zed is probably the best version of the deck that's out there right now i think uh the bastion buff makes lee sin lux a lot more appealing and that's one that like i had toyed around with and i was having a hard time kind of finding the spells that i wanted uh and um I'm looking at the list that I originally created and I'm like, I, I ended up cutting not running Bastion because I felt like it didn't give me what I needed before. And now I'm like three Bastions are auto include here uh, now. So yeah, <laughs> uh, we're, we're definitely seeing the, you know, it's funny. I saw one person, I don't agree with him, but was talking about how in his opinion, I don't completely agree with him, but I understand it in his opinion. Uh, Ionia, when Ionia is good, it's problematic, like for the mm. game. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that. I don't completely agree because I think it comes from a uh, standpoint of it's not about balance. It becomes about fun. And I think there's a lot of things in Ionia that maybe aren't super fun. Like Deny has always been like that card that like a lot of people... I mean, remember when, yeah. remember when it was three mana? You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, was... that's not a fun card, you know? Pretty and I mean, I was three. literally... I was literally chatting with um, uh, Gibbleson Bits uh, last night, uh, and he was talking about he, he's prepping his decks and trying to figure out what he wants to play for this season. And he was like, you know, the most interesting thing about this new season is banning a region. And he's like, and I feel like when I'm constructing my lineup, like that's where I should start. Like what region I want to ban and sure. what does that like open up for me? And like what, you know, what does a region ban, um, 
you know, give me or rather take away from my opponent. And we were kind of working through them and, and we were kind of talking about how we felt like Bilgewater was a really good option because Bilgewater has like uh, just m- multiple decks that are viable, multiple play styles. It's a very flexible a faction that can pair with a lot of different factions, you know? Yeah, you got Pirate um, Aggro, you got TF Swain, um, mm-hmm. and then you have uh, you have Riptide Rex, which is basically a deck in and of itself, so. Right, and and it, you're even seeing, like, MF Gangplank a little bit, so. Yeah, Pirate um, Aggro, sure. Oh, that's right, that's what people call it. I Yeah, I just yeah. call it MF Gangplank. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, you, and, and but even so, you're right, like, Riptide Rex can kind of, and you can kind of play a Bilgewater, like, mid-range to control these sort of list that steals a lot of cards if you want i mean there's a lot of ways to play it but we were t- but i was talking about ionia and i was saying you know like ionia weirdly has the best anti-control tools while simultaneously having really good um kind of new cards to play with that we don't have a lot of hours you know, learning how to counter. Sure. It's like it's possible Ioni is a really good option, especially if you want to play a control focused list. I mean, if you want to play any, if you want to play a deck that has like Rumination in it, you know, you probably would love for Deny not to be an option, <laughs> you know? Or if you want to play a list like with uh, Thermogenic Beams and Mystic Shots and stuff like that, having Bastion running around might be, especially with it being buffed now, super uh, problematic. Might, super problematic and so since you know people are trying to play back like pair targon with ionia um in like two different lists you might consider you know nixing the ionia part even though bastion will still exist and that and we were kind of talking about that this is just kind of like going off into our own season meta but like uh i was talking about how i felt like targon maybe wasn't the best ban uh because of just the limited card pool but yeah. um, there's just there's just a lot of, of thought process that goes there. But I think that the the greater point I'm trying to make is Ionia has a lot of not fun cards, stunning things, saying no to people uh, with deny, you know, returning things to people's hand, bouncing things to the hand. You've got Zed, which is just like super super fast, um, and can kind of run away with games if you let him. There's just a lot, and so like when Ionia is strong, I think they have a lot of they have a lot of um, champions that will run away with games. You know, uh, I'd say that that would be even though you have to build around them. Yasuo, Lee Sin, and Zed all do that. They are all, you know, and even Lulu to a certain extent, although the surrounding package around Lulu isn't as like yeah. built up. Mm-hmm. I would argue that these are all like snowball characters, right? And so when Ionia is good. They say no to your counters and then run away with the game. Um, and that's funny because that's the exact thing. That's the exact description of um, like cr- the crane clan. When I play legend of the five rings, I'm not, I promise I'm not going to go super involved here, but a lot of people have had this massive complaint about the way that crane plays is actually very similar to Ionia. And that's what everyone says. If crane is good, uh, it's a bad environment. And so uh, I was thinking about how is that true about Ionia? I don't know. Yeah, I, and... I, I would just, just I would just disagree with that. I think that every time something is good, people are saying it's a bad environment. When Burn was good, it was a bad environment. Uh, when Trundleasel was good, it was a bad mm-hmm. environment. And um, it's just whichever deck you well, choose to dislike, don't... you know, it's a bad environment if 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 decks are good. <laughs> it's a really bad environment if there's good decks. I don't like I, it. See, well, people don't like losing to decks. I think I think um, factional versus deck strength is a very important thing to say. Like I, I would argue that like when we had 
uh, the kind of mid-range meta with Trifarian Assessor, Sedwani, Ash, you know, like that was a good meta. I, right? I, I even though there that. were even though a lot of people really didn't like that Ash Sejuani list, I don't think people were saying Freljord is a bad faction. Freljord is too strong of a faction. They were saying this this deck is is quite good, you know. Um, and the way that you play it, it didn't really feel unfun, you know. Yeah, it won a lot. It was really strong. Losing isn't fun, but the way that it won wasn't unfun. It was board centric, you know. It had some really interesting ways to remove things. Um, I think that that's kind of the greater point that's being made for context like the crane clan has a lot of things that turn off other things oh when you're fighting this character you can't play cards of this cost or less or you know uh when somebody tries to play something if your character is more honorable you counter it counterspell it you know and that's kind of the way that ionia plays them to a to an extent you know bounce something back say you can't do something deny something you know, um, not lose in trades because you're putting a barrier or quick attack. Now that's kind of more contextualized to this form of, of mechanical game, but that that's the, the point I think they were trying to make. And I say all this to play devil's advocate and say, I, I don't completely agree, but I understand where the sentiment comes from. You have to be very careful about whether things are fun or not. And I think that massively plays into the way they balanced this, uh, this balance patch. And that's kind of my transition there but <laughs> yeah i'll say i'll say one last thing in my personal opinion the game has only been in a really unhealthy place meta wise one time and that was before its release um when ezreal karma was really really strong and honestly i i actually i really believe that there has never been a time since then that the game has been in a really bad place um i do want to transition over and take a look at the patch notes but before we do that let's go ahead and draw mm -hmm. a winner from our patreons for the legends cast hat once again guys if you want to support us over on patreon go to patreon.com slash legends cast you can support us over there consider giving us one quarter per episode that's a dollar a month that'll put you into a drawing every month to win a legends cast hat which is a really really nice um completely black with a golden logo on the front of it hat it has uh, it's kind of stretchy but it's also a snapback it is a really high night it's like a high-end very nice hat we actually only have a handful of them left we're probably going to legends legends cast pint glasses etched glasses um after we run out of hats and so probably your last opportunity to go in the drawing will be um october november december there's probably like three mm. months left um and that you can get an opportunity to win a legends cast hat and then we're probably in the new year going to move over to glasses um i want to give a special shout out to telbit and uh hopsolite thank you guys for supporting the show you guys are our newest patreons um both five dollar a month supporters so thank you you've given us a dollar one dollar and a quarter an episode thank you so much for doing that we really appreciate it it's a huge encouragement to us and it goes a long way to make the show into what it is which includes us being able to do the discord league and be able to afford new equipment and things um whenever we need it uh you know it's not like we're rolling mm -hmm. in cash or anything um you know the amount of time we put into this is certainly uh we're certainly not compensated but it does help us and it's a huge encouragement to us so thank you can so I, consider going over there oh. can i just say uh hopsolite thank you very much uh you are awesome uh however i also want to especially highlight telbit uh, because unless I am mistaken, 
Uh, Telbit is the screen name that my dad uses. Oh, there he is. He's hanging out here. Uh, uh, I dead broke dad. <laughs> dead broke dad. I don't want to give out his. Uh, I don't want to give out his email, but because uh, I was going to ask, so we could confirm. But I bet it is. So dead broke dad hanging out here with us, supporting the show. Thank you, dead yes. broke dad. You're Shout awesome. Out. Yes. Yeah. If, de- if it wasn't for dead broke dad, I wouldn't be playing card games. Or alive. Um, well, or I mean, that's, there's that too, but you know, whatever. Or a person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. no, so, so yeah, no, that that's awesome. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and roll the dice and see who it is that's going to come up as the winner of this uh, this year's uh, Legends or this month's Legends Cast Hat. And I rolled oh the highest number that I could. Our winner is uh, Matthew Z. Matthew Z, a long time, I believe. I'm like 99% sure Matthew Z is Royal Shine. Um, mm. I'm, I'm almost guaranteed it's Royal Shine. Matthew Z, if it is you, you are Royal Shine. Send me a message on Discord. If it's not you, send me a message over on patreon shoot me your address and i will get your legends cast hat in the mail (laughs) oh i'm really sorry guys in the mail this week i certainly don't mean to cough in your ear i just have had a lot of talking this week so matthew z thank you so much for your support we really appreciate it you've been a long long time supporter of of legends cast you are the Mm -hmm. second highest supporter of legends cast actually um uh only aaron h has has supported more um which i am like that that's templar i believe um so Mm -hmm. matthew z thank you so much we really appreciate all that you do for the show, yeah. and we appreciate your support. Go ahead and shoot me a message on Discord. We'll get that hat get out Get that man a hat. Yeah. Get him a hat. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and make a jump over now, and let's talk about the patch notes. Oh, boy, here I go. Okay, guys, there's a lot of stuff that came out in this week's patch notes, a lot of changes to cards, and we also got some information about a future change to cards. I think one champion, uh, I don't know, like eight or so, eight or ten cards. We're going to talk about each one of those briefly. Real quickly, though, if you were wondering if there was new cosmetics, there are. There's a new guardian that looks kind of like a dragonfly or a butterfly. I'm not, I think mm. it's kind of like a, like a cosmic butterfly of some type. Not really my style. However, the new card back, the Celestials card back, is really cool. You're going to get the Ram, the Otter, and the Cobra, which are the three, like, zero, one, and three costs, I believe, mm. um, from the Celestials that you're able to generate. So it has everything but the dog on it. The dog is the two cost, but you get the, uh, which is kind of sad that the doggo isn't on there. Well, but... the doggo's got a guardian. I own that oh, one. That's true. He's my he's he is giving the powder monkey a run for his money. The I love both of those. The doggo and the powder monkey are like the only guardians I ever want to play. <laughs> well, uh, we also got new guardians and <laughs> new emote. That being said, um, our new guardians are the minion, which you could have gotten before. But if you buy him in a package now, you also get the blue minion, which in my opinion is cooler than the red minion. And then you also get the jealous uh, emote or the jelly emote, which is. Mm. Uh, the the red and the blue minion sort of like uh, used together and you cannot get the blue minion or the emote without purchasing the bundle so you can't go to the store and buy the blue minion or the emote you the only way to get those is through the bundle the last thing about the patch which i do think is interesting is there was a new lab this week called journey to the peak where you chose either a leona or a diana deck and you go through three battles, one against a Lulu deck, then a Trundle deck, then an Aurelian Soul deck. And each time you win, you get to add new cards and new champions to your deck. 
and uh, kind of, it's almost like a, an amped up version of like the expedition. Um, but you also get a special ability, one of three that you get to choose in the beginning. And if you're able to beat Aurelian Soul with Diana, you get a new moon uh, logo for like your token or whatever um, icon. And if you beat it with Leona, you can also get a sun icon. So there's two new icons that you can go and unlock. Mm -hmm. This is the first lab, I believe that's given anything, which is really exciting. I played through with Diana and Leona and it was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought they did a really good job with it. It was a lot of fun. Um, why don't you, DBN, why don't you <laughs> kick us off with the cards and tell us about the champion that got adjusted? Sure, yeah. So the champion that got adjusted uh, is our favorite uh, Timmy Dragon, Aurelian Soul. Um, so <laughs> Blue Eyes White Dragon, uh, the card, uh, ten mana. Which, which was a card in uh, of its own already, but yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, uh, I always make fun of that, but I, I, I don't. I mean, Aurelian Soul is not my favorite card, but I, I do like the change here. I think uh, so. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you what it is now. Uh, ten mana, ten ten. Obviously, all the same stats and whatnot. Still a dragon. Still got the same keywords. The only change is the level up requirement has shifted. <clears throat> so yep. uh, before it would say level up. Uh, on round end, if your allies have 20 plus power, you level up. Now you require 25 plus total power uh, to to level up Aurelian Soul. So you're gonna need five more attack points on your board to level them up. Um, I think this is pretty big, and, and what it does is it forces you to kind of play more creatures. And I think that there was a lot of Aurelian Soul decks that were kind of like I played it and felt like it was really easy to get to 20 power because he's already half of that. You could get one or two other minions kind of mid-range stat blocks, maybe play a spell that buffed it, and you'd have it. Um, so I really like this is kind of requiring your dragon deck, ostensibly, uh, or at least the deck that's trying to invoke a lot to choose some of those uh, invoked creatures a little bit more often if you want to get that big, massively game-warping effect from the leveled-up Aurelian Soul. Yeah, I think before you could basically get Aurelian Soul leveled up by just choosing one large Celestial. So you played a large Celestial on turn 9, then you played Aurelian Soul on turn 10, past turn, he leveled up. Um, now it's going to be a little bit harder to do that. I actually think this is preparation for the next expansion that we're getting, because supposedly we're going to be getting Demacia sort of towards the middle of the month, so maybe like two weeks from now. Um, and whenever we get Demacia towards the middle of the month, um, I think that we're going to get Shivana and some more dragons. And I think this might be a little... I think this is a reaction to the fact that people were kind of saying Aurelian Soul is not fun to play against. I think this is also a reaction, a preparation, kind of saying, hey, we know that Aurelian Soul along with Shivana and stuff is going to be very, very strong. So maybe this was the version of Aurelian Soul that was going to come out always, but they said, uh, let's drop his, 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 you know, level up thing by five because we're not going to have the cards that go with him the best upon release. They're going to come out, you know, a month and a half later. So whenever those come out, we'll bump his, his requirement up by five. Um, I think there could be some truth in that. It does seem like it was kind of a strategic plan because although Aurelian Soul wasn't always fun to play against, I didn't find that he was like oppressive in my opinion anyway. And I feel like he had kind of fallen off, especially once they put Lee Sin and lowered his cost. 
Um, and so, I, you know, it just reminds me a lot of the way they do League of Legends, right? Kind of the way they do League of Legends, they release a patch and they clearly buff a character that they want to see played and they nerf characters that they want to see less play of. Their goal isn't necessarily to find perfect balance, which I think is completely elusive in card games, which is why I like how they do it here. They clearly push characters and diminish others at certain times. And so maybe your character isn't getting the biggest push right now, but sometime in the future, the card that you really love likely will. And I, I don't think that it's, it's interesting because the way that you, it's more like a large scale look at, uh, at sort of power level and balance, instead of saying, we want to find that absolutely perfect place where everything is equal. It's saying, nope, but sometime throughout the year, we want each champion to be good. Um, and I think that that is a really interesting thing because they do consistent adjustments right now. A brilliant soul isn't good and that's fine. And before Lee Sin wasn't good. And that was okay. And now Lee Sin is really good. And that's cool. Um, and so I think that they're you're gonna continue to see this where they're just like, well, let's get this card sort of bad and out of the way for a little bit. And we'll sort of like put up another card that maybe hadn't seen a lot of play. That way the people who like to play it will get a chance to. Um, I like that look mm. at the way they adjust cards. And I think that the Aurelian Soul change is a good one. And I'm interested to see if it's a preparation for Shadana. It probably it probably wants you to it probably wants you to try topping out your dragon list with Aurelian Soul, which kind of makes you want to play big beefy dragons with Fury. I mean that 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 makes sense to me. Yep. I've seen some uh, Aurelian Soul dragon decks that, while not very good, are certainly pretty amusing and look they look fun. Yeah, and you could just tell um, they're like a couple of cards away from being really viable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody loves tri I think Silverfuse said this when she was on the show a while ago, but she was like, everybody loves tribal decks. It's one of the most popular ways to to play card games. It makes you feel like you're playing a theme. You know, that's really cool. Everyone likes playing. I love themed decks. That One of the best things I remember uh, the, that I loved when I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm talking like the first, you know, couple years of Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, it was new when I started playing it. Uh, so for context um that was back when it was actually a playable game and not what it is now but the uh the coolest thing they did was release themed starter decks you could buy in stores i mean obviously magic does that too sure but i always felt like the themes were really well done in the Yu-Gi-Oh! once you had an entire deck based around you know dark magician synergies or an entire deck based around zombie master or whatever and like because everything was just so tight you really felt like you were playing a zombie deck a magician deck a dragon deck right and so that has carried over and you can see that being the case sometimes back in like hearthstone especially in kind of like the mid days where you'd have like beast synergies you'd have murloc synergies although i hate murlocs to death um <laughs> you know but and, and even in tessel uh where Playing tribal was generally considered pretty bad and a, a bad idea, on, ex, with the exception of like a couple times when like goblins got overtuned. Mm -hmm. Like generally speaking, it, it wasn't good. Like you know, Mark would play his undead deck uh, all the time, and Skeletons. it was really fun and cool, but it wasn't good. Uh -huh. Right? No offense. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> but it was super. It was one of my favorite decks exactly right and and so like i mean i remember one of my most popular decks that would constantly get requested when i streamed was my uh was my spca list which was just i only played animals or friends to animals 
Yeah. You know, anything that that buffed animals or was an animal would get played in that list. And it was wildly popular. People loved it when I played that list. And in fact, weirdly, I had somebody mention it and bring it up on one of my Runeterra videos the other day where they're like, oh, this reminds me of your your animal deck. I mean, people love theme decks. People love to see tribal tags. And so I like that. I think Aurelian Soul is now kind of saying, yeah, this is a great invoke card, um, but it also uh, is going to be easier to level up if you're playing it alongside your big beefy dragons. They want you to, A, you can play it in an invoke deck, or B, you can also play it in a dragon deck because you'll be able to level up more quickly. You know, so I, I just, yeah, no, I I hope, and I, I agree. I do think, you know, that that's paving the way. I don't think that everything they do is conscious of the next set. I, I really don't know if they are even trying to balance for the next set ahead because like, you know, as anyone who, who is involved in like card balancing, you know, or has seen enough card balancing over the years knows it's nigh impossible to predict what a, an entire fan base community of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people come up with when you have a team of 20, <laughs> you sure. know? Uh, but I think in this case, you're totally correct. This is definitely a responding to feedback, but B, uh, kind of saying, you know, it's, it's the direction of we, they could nerf this any number of ways, but the way they're choosing to do it is a way that will incentivize you to play the card differently. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where, where I'm seeing that. So I, I think we've beaten Aurelian soul to death, which I'm fine with. I don't care for the guy. Let's go to uh, followers and spells. Hey. Yeah, you can go ahead and, and start with this next one. Okay, yeah, so Radiant Guardian is being changed. It was a five-mana 5-5 five, five, that if something died on the round that you played it, you picked up Life Steal and Tough. Uh, that is a really strong card. It was a very strong Demacia card. It's now a five-mana 4-5, four, five. so one less attack, which is not inconsequential. That one less attack is a huge deal. There are a lot of five-mana 5-5s five, out there, and so... Uh, this there's a lot of there's five mana six fives out there so this uh dropping to only four attack is i think in my opinion really significant it's a huge hit to demacia um i think this is the second biggest nerf or change that we're gonna see um i don't think that radiant guardian is necessarily nerfed into the ground but in the current meta with how refined things are right now i don't think you're gonna see much radiant guardian anymore um i this is another one of those adjustments that i sort of say okay i wonder if i'll see this turned back in the future because we have seen some adjustments and then Re, you know re- returned back and they were like okay we saw it in the meta we want to see it in the meta again um this might be something where we might see radiant guardian fluctuate between four and five attack a couple of times and i think when it's four attack it's not unplayable but won't be played and uh <laughs> if that makes sense it's not unplayable but i don't think it will be played that's my that's my gut reaction and opinion of it i don't think a five mana four or five with life steel and tough is fantastic there's probably some decks that will still just really need the health gain in the mid game um, that you're gonna see play this, but it's a it's a lot it's a lot worse. Uh, DBN, do you have any th- further thoughts on Radiant Guardian? Yeah, um, I completely disagree. Great, great, perfect. Like, That's com- exactly com- what I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, well, okay, I don't completely disagree. I actually take that back. I think you're right in one facet which is it is worse okay good well it, that's good because it's a nerf so it is, it is worse. worse but i 
I don't see why I don't see why any deck that played this before is not going to play it now because the point you know, yes like it doesn't trade with as many things but the thing about Radiant Guardian is it's nigh impossible to kill through combat and it's still nigh impossible to kill through combat right it still has five defense and tough and the point here is not really it trading with anything it's sticking around through three or four trades and healing you 15 over the course of its lifespan and healing you 12 over the course of its lifespan is still really good like really good um i think that the maybe it gets cut in some sort of like faster mid-range list that wanted to top out with this card as insurance against an even faster deck or insurance against an aggro mirror um but in any of those like lux mid-rangey decks i just don't see why they wouldn't run this i think if you really wanted radiant card this reduces its effectiveness but not its place in a list if you know what I'm saying, like what compares to this at five that is both durable and keeps you afloat and keeps healing you? Like there's nothing like this. This is a staple Demacia identity card, and I just don't see what's going to replace it. So they'll keep running it. So I agree that I don't see much replacing it. Okay, in terms of in terms of like doing exactly what it does. But my thought is, is that there's a five mana five five with tough that you don't have to have something die beforehand that can take trades. There's also a five mana five four with uh, that generates a card when it dies and also has challenger. And I don't know. I uh, there's I, I feel like you are having a higher chance of seeing that five mana five four that is a little bit more proactive and taking back the board might be able to take one or two trades yes it's not going to heal you but it does have challenger and it is going to put a card back in your hand and it doesn't have the condition that something has to die before you can use it um i, I don't know but you know what it just, it just sort of depends there's going to be decks that just def definitely need the life gain and this is going to be part of that but any deck that wanted to play proactive i think i would go for the five and a five fourth challenger that puts a card in your hand over this but um i i've been it's wrong. also the been it's also the direct things. it's also the direct synergy with single combat and the concerted strike that makes that's this true. so good that's true. like that's like because i think it in a bubble you're you're to, you're right that the challenger I, I don't give a crap about the five five tough one that comes down with tough that's that's to me like for one stat you're trading away lifesteal no thanks um and generally speaking with radiant guardian like the what because you have defensive trade priority you can choose when one of your things dies. You often, know what I mean? Often, yeah. Um, and so, the, like, Radiant Guardian's ability is not super hard to trigger. Um, I'll give you it is a requirement, but, you know, um, the but the issue, I, I agree, like, a Challenger card, Challenger that creates a card, that's really good. You know, but Lifesteal is very hard to come by. Healing is very hard to come by. And more importantly, because of tough, because of, you know, the ability to, okay, my opponent, I play the Radiant Guardian. It's Lifesteal tough. They try to decimate it before you, or not decimate, um, vengeance it before you can heal. You chain your single combat in and you get your healing in anyways. And remove one of their things. You know, um, I mean, it's just sure. I mean, Radiant Guardian still does the same things it did before. That's that's true. Right. It just does it. It just trades with less. Mm -hmm. I would I would say it heals less. And that's technically true. But you're still healing for chunks of four. That's more than like the spells in like uh, uh, Frail Yord and Shadow Isles heal for those heal for chunks of three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I yeah. Okay. 
I, I, I understand the sentiment. I just I, I don't see it going away in the decks that it's that it's played in already. Sure. Well, let, let's move let's move on to the next one because we have quite a few cards to look at. The, the, mm-hmm. These next couple ones, I think the next four should be relatively quick because uh, yeah. Uh, inspiring mentor um, it was a a one mana uh, one two that it gave an ally in hand plus one plus zero. It's now a one mana two one that does the same thing. Um, I think that is just at base better. Um, I, I like this card and I've I'm interested to try playing it. I'm interested to try playing it with Zed. Um, it is mm-hmm. just it trades better. Before it was pretty much unplayable as a one mana one two that buffed something with plus one attack in hand. As a one mana two one, I think it finds its place in some aggressive Ionia decks. When Whenever we see those, um, I hope that it doesn't find its place in an aggressive, <laughs> elusive deck. But that's where probably it makes the most sense. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. It's it's way better because of the two attack being able to trade into something. A one two really can't trade into much of anything unless it's another one drop. This can potentially trade into a two drop, and um, you don't really care if it dies. If they're vile feasting or yeah. whatever, you already got your, your inspiring thing. mentor. You got your value out of the ability. Yeah, you're right. It's it's a better card. Yep. Pix was a one mana zero one that said support, give my supported ally plus two plus one this round. It is now a one mana zero two um, instead that does the same thing. I think this is a lot better. I still don't know that Pix is like a great card. Um, I did play against somebody today who played Pix on turn one and on turn two, they played the daybreak card that's a three six and then they attacked with a five seven um, <laughs> on, oh on, tur- on turn two, a five seven. That was pretty good. Um, the, the reality is, though, Pix is a free trade. Um, it doesn't have elusive, so it's still free. It just gets away from Vile Feast and the other thing, anything that pings for ones, or, you know, it gets away from just getting straight up removed from things like TF, Vile Feast, uh, mm-hmm. the 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 other one from Shadow Isles now that adds a card to your hand from Nightfall. Um, so it is, I mean, it's just straight up better. I don't still see, I mean, it's just so hard. A, a zero attack creature that must attack to get its value is just really hard to <laughs> it's just really hard it's like some zero attack creatures that don't have to get their value have or attack to get their value kind of like the three mana zero three that everything time something died you deal one damage to the enemy's nexus like that is seen some play mm. because you don't have to attack with it to get its value but this you have to attack with it to get its value i would have preferred to see this instead of going from a one mana zero two to go to a one mana one one um I think then it was more viable, but still, it's like, okay, attack with your picks. I'll take the two extra damage this round and just remove it. Um, you know, I guess yeah. if you're buffing this with other stuff, you know, if you're buffing this with a Lulu, but it comes down on turn one. So I, I still am kind of like struggling to see where I would play picks because there's just other one drops in those support decks. Um, but it, it is better. It's better. I just don't know that mm-hmm. it's like the thing that that synergy needed. Yeah, I mean, everything you said was 100% correct. And I think that if I'm going to, like, play Devil's Advocate for picks, I think that it's the I think it's best uh, when used thoughtfully from the perspective of weighing the matchup. So looking at what the enemy class is, what the enemy, you know, uh, characters mm-hmm. are, and determining whether or not they're going to likely play down a one-drop, right? If, you, if, you, if you're thinking they're not going to play down a one-drop, then you should play picks. If you're thinking that they're going to probably contest the board early, 
I think Pix is much better when you hold it back and wait for it to pair with Lulu or something like that. So like if you can under curve on turn four, play a two drop and this, you know, and then this can receive a buff from one of your other supports and then buff a different one. I think Pix is really good when you already have two or three creatures out and you're using it to kind of like, you know, in like really as almost like in the you know, mid games, like turns three through six is really weirdly when I think picks is good um, as opposed to curving out now, because totally you can have the dream with like picks into something, into Lulu, go nuts, right? Um, alternatively, you could just play picks on one and on turn two, when you would swing with it, just don't swing. Like you just put picks down and leave it and like let it sit around if you think it's going to get cleared in a trade yeah i think that's you because you're right that's the weakness of picks is that it, it, it the enemy will say yeah sure i'll take two extra points now but i'll deal with this thing that would provide value over the long term and what you need to do is put picks in the scenario where picks is giving you value off of its support and something else is making it so that picks isn't a free trade like and so whether that means yeah like with lulu so you know if you can put lulu down on three and then if your attack token is evens then on turn four, you slam down picks and you put another two drop on the board. Then you go Lulu onto picks, picks onto the two drop, and now all of a sudden picks is useful again, right? I, so like, I just think picks being relied upon to be a one on one every time is not the way to play picks. All that said, I think picks is still pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack the winner again. I did say devil. I did say devil's advocate there. <laughs> Jack the winner was a five mana six, uh, five six uh, that would yeah. give a sleep of the fishes in hand, which was a zero mana spell that dealt two to one of your and uh, uh, one of your creatures, and then dealt two to the enemy nexus. Um, it was seeing a good bit of play in things like uh, Sejuani with uh, mm. with Gangplank and stuff, uh, burn decks as well, just stuff that needed to push a couple of extra points of damage through at the end, or needed to damage the enemy nexus before they attacked. Um, it is now a five mana five five, which is a lot more on par. I mean, before he was a five mana five six so even if you never used sleep with the fishes let's say you you never wanted to use it right mm -hmm. um okay never never use it <laughs> um and you still have a five mana five six um he was just statistically really really strong i think this is a good yeah. change down i did see like a couple of games where people got like two out and then they basically yeah they had to sacrifice some creatures and some health on their creatures but they basically had a zero mana decimate every turn um which was pretty strong um, because you just played two sleep with the fishes and you would do two decimates or do a decimate every round for no mana. And, uh, and you damaged your creatures, but you didn't really care because you were just burning your opponent away. And I think like two, I don't think that that makes this any worse. It just means that like, you're not going to be able to sort of like pressure the board or trade quite as efficiently with Jack the winner. Now um, there's a lot more five drops that will trade into it evenly. And even some four mm. drops that will probably trade into it more evenly. Yeah, I mean, the thing I really liked about Jack was that the because the card he created kind of required you to sacrifice something of yours, he himself started with really good stats. I I don't love this stat change because I, I personally didn't really feel like Jack was a problem card. Neither did I. I think, I, I feel like this is kind of passing the buck to the wrong card, you know? Uh and so, but whatever. Bilgewater seems to be getting a lot of nerfs back to back to back to back. And it sucks because I think that 
the core strategies of Bilgewater aren't to blame because I think the core strategies of Bilgewater are just wildly flexible, right? Mm-hmm. And so they go with a lot of different things. And then those powerful things are fueled and supported by the flexibility of Bilgewater. Um, but uh, Sleep with the Fish is, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is I would have maybe preferred seeing this go to a 4-6 as opposed to a 5-5. Five, five. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, so it doesn't trade as well on offense, but it still has that, you know, survivability so that you can keep generating Sleep with the Fishes, which ultimately is the fun part of the card. Uh, as well as, you know, slashing the stats on him uh, or, or slashing the stats on him and his defense means you can't play as many sleep with the fishes on him. Uh, I mean, theoretically you can, but if you also want him to trade, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, Jack the winner. I'm, I'm not like super eat up over it, but I am kind of like, eh, I, I don't, didn't feel like it was necessary, but. Yeah, I'm going to I'm actually going to do a couple here real quick DBN uh, just for time's sake. And let's just mm-hmm. let's just give like a quick thumbs up, thumbs down. And then we're going to go back and hit two specific cards that are that are probably more influential that we're probably going to want to talk about more. So Petty Officer, sure. Petty Officer was a three mana, three one or three mana, three two that summoned either a powder keg or a one cost follower. Um, it is now the three one, which is what it was before. It was a three one and then it jumped to a three two. Now it's back to a three one. Um, this gets a thumb up for me, not because this card needed to be nerfed, but because it was really, really good in TF Swain. And um, I'm, I'm okay with TF Swain getting a little bit of a nerf. Yeah, I wish that they would, if they were going to do this down to 3-1, I wish that they would do something to incentivize you to pick the powder keg, maybe summon two powder kegs or a random one-cost follower. Um, I love the powder keg synergies, but let's be honest, nobody plays Petty Officer for them. They play them for the one-cost follower. So if, pet, if Powder Keg is almost never being chosen, do something to shift that back over. I think that bringing the defense down is definitely good from a balance perspective. But I think just that little bit of extra thoughtfulness on basically this says play summon a random one cost follower because that's all people really choose outside of like niche scenarios. So give me a situation where people are picking the Powder Keg more often. And so if that means saying you get two powder kegs, I really don't see the problem with that. Sure. Cosmic Inspiration was a celestial card, seven mana slow. Um, if you behold a celestial card, grant allies everywhere, plus two, plus two. It was, it did do that, and then it also refilled spell mana. So it was a seven mana card that you could use your spell mana and get your spell mana back. Now you're not going to refill spell mana. I don't. I mean, I'm fine with this. I'm, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, too. I do think this was probably the most powerful uh, Celestial card, and it makes it a little less powerful, but certainly not unpickable. It, you're not putting it in your deck ahead of time, and you're still going to pick this. So I'm fine with this. It just makes your turns less really powerful um, whenever you play this card. So thumbs up for me on Cosmic Inspiration Change. I'm giving it a thumbs. I don't care. Next. <laughs> Grandfather Rumnal. This is my thumbs. I don't care. Eight mana, eight four with Overwhelm and Spell Shield. Was Grant an ally plus zero plus four. And now it's Grant two allies plus zero plus four. There's a couple of interesting things here uh, that I think you could do with them, but I still don't think that you want to spend your turn on eight mana buffing two of your creatures with plus four health. Uh, and I don't, I mean, I guess he's an eight fourth Overwhelm. Um, maybe he's playable now, but I haven't experimented with him and he didn't excite me before. He doesn't excite me now. Thumbs neutral. I would have liked to have seen this getting like, I, I, there's a lot of like high cost cards in the game that are very, uh, not very good. 
And I think that's because there are a few that are so good that they dominate and there's nothing else to really compete with them. I would like to have seen them be more aggressive with this card, make it compete. And the way I would have done that is say play, grant one ally plus four plus four. Um, I think the ability for this to be a massive, like it, because it's in Targon, which, you know, I mean, there are ways to, you know, like you, you can put stuff on um, Tarek and stuff, but that's with spells. I don't think it really gets uh, pushed out, but like literally the bone mare of uh, of this game uh if you remember bone mare from yeah. uh hearthstone i really would have liked to have seen that now uh, granted like bone mare often was really good with charge cards um and this this card is not going to be you know doing that but um with the defensive trade priority it's not as damning i think as something like bone mare but i think you need to leverage this towards giving things attack power if you're going to be there on turn eight trying to close the game out with this guy. Weirdly, this guy has overwhelm and a big offensive stat block, but then he wants to buff other people's defense. I get the idea here that it's supposed to sol like solidify a board state, but by turn eight, um, you're competing with things like Rex. You know, you're competing with things like the Leviathan. Like, you are majorly outclassed, and so if this was instead a, I'm going to slam a plus four, plus four on whatever the creature I have is, preferably one with overwhelm and then charge in and just blast through your defenses before you can control me. I would have been much happier. Uh, I think this is, it might see play somewhere, but I think overall it's a miss. And I think it shows that if, if I'm going to be critical of the design team, it's, they seem to miss a lot on six through like six and up creatures. Most of the six and up creatures seem to be misses they don't understand how to balance and incentivize high-end creatures. Um, and when they do have one, it's usually a little overtuned, and they're okay with saying, ah, we'll have three or four good high-end cards, and the rest end up being collection fodder. Yeah. So, I, I, I compared this to Farian, um, which is an 8 mana 8-8 eight, eight with Overwhelm that puts mm -hmm. uh, three Decimates in your hand, and I'm like, why isn't this... A, why Instead of making two allies plus zero plus four, let's leave it at one, and let's make this an 8 mana 8-8 eight, eight with Overwhelm and Spell Shield that gives sure. a creature plus zero plus four. Maybe then he's something that's like a big boy for Targon. I don't know. Mountain Goat, maybe one of my favorite improvements. This gives a huge thumb up for me. Was a two mana a three one that when you struck, you get a gem. He's now a two mana three two that when you strike, you get a gem. I love this change. I liked Mountain Goat a lot in the couple times that I played him. And this incentivizes me to play him more. I think a two mana three two is of course much better than two mana three one in terms of the basic things that we move it. We've already acknowledged there are a lot of pings in this game and uh this lives through your pings now and gives you a chance to almost guaranteed get at least one gem in a trade and i like that about mountain goat so big thumbs up for me on mountain goat i like the adjustment big thumbs up for me as well this is my favorite uh thing from the patch nice nice yep. why don't you tell us there's two cards left and they're both pretty big changes both target spells why don't you choose one of them and tell us about it dbn all right let's go to with hush um, and I'm picking Hush because I've been very vocal about my opinions on it. Um, Hush used to say, silence a unit this round, create a fleeting Hush in hand. The new text says, silence a unit this round, create a fleeting Hush in hand that costs one more. But that's not the whole story. So on the, uh, on their website, on their Twitter and whatnot, uh, they... In fact, I'm trying to hunt it down now what exactly they wrote. Yeah, it, I think it the was, wording it of was it, in the patch notes. 
Right. The wording of it's really relevant, and I want to pull that up. So just give me one second while it loads. Um, so Hush, they were, they had a big paragraph on it, like three paragraphs. Um, they have basically said um, this change was locked in for patch 1.11 um, to make it difficult for a single Hush to apply multiple silences. I actually really like this. I understand why people don't like Hush. I understand it's because it's affecting multiple things at once. I don't think it's a problem, but I think this is a really good solution to tone it down but still allow you to do the cool thing, which is hushing multiple targets. I really mm -hmm. like that. This is great. At max, you can only play it three times because of the mana increase, right? And that's basically your whole turn, right? So like it would be three, four, and five. It's that's 12, 12 mana. Yep, your whole turn. Before, you could play it four times, uh... In a, in a turn if you spend all your mana and more importantly it, it's there's the, the scenarios which you play it four times are very few but the scenarios which you play it two or even three times uh came up quite a bit and you often could play you know late in the game you could play it twice and then put a big creature down on the board because of your spell mana so um i think this is a really good middle ground however they said um uh, let's see. However, since we've continued to discuss the card and listen to your feedback, ultimately the ability to silence champions is a core strength we want to preserve in Targon. Uh, on the other hand, repeatable AoE access to silence is difficult to justify in a region that we also want to have a general weakness against wide boards in combat. For that reason, we've decided to ready another change for the next patch, 1.12, as well, where we'll remove Hush's repeatable aspect entirely and reduce its cost. This change should focus Hush on its core intended function and generally reduce frustration when playing against it. We're also incorporating our learnings into design work for future Targon cards. Now, um, so in the future, it will not be repeatable. Yep. It'll be cheaper. I want to actually jump up to the very top when they first introduced Hush because I, after I've said this part, I feel like it's important to go back to the beginning. They said, Hush is a card that the live design team have spent a lot of time evaluating. Its ability to silence even champions for round was meant to add to LOR's interactivity, allowing previously unavailable counterplay to certain strategies and combinations. Um, and then it says, however, Hush's repeated fleet and design is also contributing to the opposite by excessively pushing certain strategies and itself shutting down counterplay opportunities. Okay, this is important. This is like reading between the lines, a little bit of subtext, and I'm going, this is not fact. I'm just going to read into it and like project here. Okay. I think the design team doesn't agree with this, especially the oh. second patch. I think the design team or the balance team, whoever, uh, have been maybe not guilted, but somewhat coerced into making this change. Okay. You don't, as a designer, as somebody who's talking about why you're doing something, it's very rare for you to go in and say, we've spent a lot of time evaluating this and we thought about doing it one way, but we hear you. So we're actually going to do it a different way. Like weirdly, I appreciate the clarity, but they're basically saying you guys are so complaining so much about this that we feel we have to change it even further. And, but they're putting that little vaguely put in disclaimer of, you know, we don't actually think that, or we didn't actually think that when we were balancing it for 1.11, right? And so my my thing here is, and and what I it, what I happen to be backed by my personal opinion about the card <laughs> is, um, the card they think the card's fine. They're just saying we're tired of hearing people complain about it. <laughs> sure, sure. 
I, I actually love the change that they made. I think that the initial mm-hmm. change that they made was really smart. I don't like the change. I've never been like, oh my gosh, hush. I mean, you have to think about it whenever you go into something, but oftentimes it's the opponent's entire turn, right? They're yeah. like, okay. If they want to silence multiple things. That's six mana, and it's not killing the card. I mean, granted, in the trade, it, it might kill them, but I mean, there's a plenty of decks where if you silence it, it doesn't matter. If you play against a big board, Demacia, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, like it, anytime my opponent has hushed multiple creatures on the same turn, it has bought them a turn, but generally never won them the game. Does that make sense? It has bought them a turn, but generally never actually won them the game. It just waited until I attacked again and I won then instead. There has been yeah. a few times where I have had been hushed. Like, so let me give you an example. Um, like I, uh, I, I've been playing a lot of Mistwraith stuff, so I'll, I'll attack with you know mm-hmm. four Mistwraiths, and they're like, okay, like we, I have one thing to trade with because I've been pushing their board down, so they do, you know, they do hush two or three things, maybe three things they hush on my board, and my Mistwraiths all jump down attack and and lose lose fearsome and they block one of them and it's a favorable trade for them but then at the end of the turn my mist race all jump back to six attack and the next time i can attack i just swing in and win with my mist race anyway and i have found that okay yeah sure you 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 did it like you stopped me from killing you this round but that was your entire turn now i opened attack you took your entire turn then i refill my board because my mana isn't spent but all of your mana is spent and that's how i win the game i'm sure there's other situations where this is really negative but i think think that hush is actually a healthy card for the game and i do think it's healthier as it increases in mana i think that's a good change i'm disappointed that they are getting rid of the repeat repeatability of it that's the fun part that's the interesting part about that's a part that allows you to think more that's a part that says "Ooh, do i play it just once and take a little bit more damage i'm not going to have the extra copy next turn like the fleeting copy is so cool it's fascinating it requires so it adds so many layers i adore hush as a card i adore what it adds to the game which is silences which we hardly ever see by the way and here's where i'm coming from here the whole point i'm making here is like a i like this text i I like what it is now i i will i will see that maybe hush was a little too strong a little too good at what it does but that doesn't mean it should be like reworked which is what apparently we're getting a 1.12 now i'm hoping that everybody starts playing this version and says you know what this version is actually pretty okay and the design team decides not to go forward with the 1.12 uh, version where they remove the repeatable aspect. I don't think that's going to happen because I think people are still going to find a reason to complain. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. I'm so sick of like the public opinion, especially the whininess about like things that affect their cards. There's really, it's very like often where people are not whiny about the right things. They're whiny about like, they're not whiny about bigger picture strategies or overall like like design choices they're they're whiny about specific cards that make them feel bad or that stop them from doing what they want to do well guess what it's a game you're trying to beat your opponent you know like like this is the same thing and and you know what it is too hush is one of those cards that because it's silencing which we have almost none of like literally there's one or two other cards in the game that silence it is something that people haven't had to deal with before this set came out (laughs) similarly almost none at all Almost not at all. So they're having to adjust this new type of, you know, punish 
you know, meant for the, for the way they want to play in the same way that they reacted so negatively to the, uh, to the stealing cards when Bilgewater came out. Because guess what? It screwed with your cards. This screws with your cards. And they hadn't had to deal with it in a different form before, right? People don't like change. They don't like new ways that your opponent can mess with you. Generally speaking, you could have something that's absolutely busted, but if it's proactive and not messing with your opponent, people don't really whine about it as much. They whine about the cards that like mess with their cards. The reality is people don't like when their cards get messed with. I get it. I don't either. But that doesn't mean it needs to be changed because the game is more interesting for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we are at the same page with this. The hush initial change, good. The hush secondary change, bad. Yeah. Bad. The last card that was uh, got an adjustment in this set is Bastion. Bastion used to be three mana burst spell from Targon that gave one of your creatures spell shield until the end of this round. Now it gives them plus one, plus one in spell shield that does not go away at the end of the round. Just give it spell shield and plus one, plus one, and neither of them go away at the end of the round. What? <laughs> this is crazy. This is like, this is the, this, this might be the biggest buff to any card I have yet to see. Like, this is insane. Like, Bastion, what? So there's a, of course, there's a Demacia, three mana burst spell that gives an ally barrier, which naturally ends the end of the round. And I was like, these cards are really similar. I was actually on the off meta report podcast talking about the fact that uh, I, I sort of saw spell shield and barrier being similar in power level because of Bastion and that other card. But now Bastion is plus one plus one permanently spell shield until it's used up three mana at a burst speed. What? DBN, what is going on with this card? Because I know they're saying that they want to buff sort of like the core set, the core realities of Targon, but this card just seems like the reason that you play Targon now. You play Targon for this card. Yeah, and that's the issue. So there are cards like that in every faction, cards that say, this is why you play Demacia. That's single combat, by the way. Um, there are cards like, uh, at least for a long time, especially when Yordle Grifter was a thing, uh, there's reasons why you play Bilgewater, uh, Rex, right? Rex and Grifter. Um, and, uh, I mean, heck, like, I think there are some factions that aren't as, you know, good for that. Like, some, like I'd, I'd argue, like, Shadow Isles, there's not necessarily a reason why you go pick up Shadow Isles just for the casual splash, you know? I'd argue, oh, PNZ, that, a Mystic Shot. You just sure. go and you play Mystic Shot, right? Um, this card is that now, and the issue is it is not specific enough to any one type of game plan. It is so insanely flexible, similar to Mystic Shot, but Mystic Shot's the scope of Mystic Shot and the ability for Mystic Shot to snowball an advantage is not anywhere near what Bastion is. Bastion basically uh, it gives you something now, and it gives your opponent an entire action that they have to waste completely it doesn't just partially contribute to it it just doesn't go through um i i mean that's spell that's the spell shield part by the way in case we're yeah. not clear um i don't know uh, it was the bastion before maybe a little uh undertuned yes was it playable was it pretty decent also yes I've won multiple games with Bastion. I really like Bastion as a poor man's deny. Yeah. Um, and at burst speed, it's even better. Uh, 
could it have used a buff? Yeah, but this is way overkill. I mean, I honestly just don't know what they were thinking. Uh, yeah, I looked at this and I was like, this is nuts, right? Like, like legit, this is crazy. Am I wrong? <laughs> like, I, I think, I think maybe that, so I'm trying to think what, why would they be so heavy handed? And the only thing I can come up with is they're saying we're going to print the most board focused proactive card at a really good price so that you guys are forced to play creatures. Yeah. Because I... the bottom line is spell shield. I mean, spell shield is go. It is so, so brutal to factions like SI and uh, uh, PNZ, you know, and Bilgewater that have a lot of ways to damage things. And even Noxus now, especially the Swain builds that are running like the deal two and ping the face once and the deal three to me, deal three to you, right? There's so many ways to remove things. And these decks that are a lot of the really strong decks are kind of this like hodgepodge blend of we're playing creatures with really good effects. Um, but not necessarily for the stats. And instead, we're clearing the path for them to win the game by clearing your stuff with spells. Spells are, in my opinion, spells have been more dominating in this game than they probably ever were in Tessel, and to an extent, uh, more so than uh, Hearthstone, with the exception of board wipes. Board, Hearthstone board wipes were the most ridiculous thing ever. But like that was part of the core philosophy of Hearthstone, is you have to kind of legitimately like, count the board wipes play around the board wipes right sure but like um that's not the case in this game that wasn't the case in tesla but like imagine like you had to play creatures with the exception of like tribunal and tribunal could get hard countered by a few things and they probably could have used that's why withered hand cultist was never nerfed withered hand cultist and tesla by the way uh increased the cost for you to play spells by two by two for both players but basically it was the only way for the designers uh to force the uh these super spell heavy decks to play creatures this is what bastion is doing um or at least this might be what they're trying to this might be what they're trying out is my guess of hey if we make bastion this absolutely busted thing uh people are going to play targon for bastion and then if they if people want to counter that they absolutely cannot rely on spells uh to uh to save them they need to play creatures down onto the board to remove the creatures with spell shield otherwise they're going to waste all their mana trying to uh trying to remove one thing while the opponent continues to cement their board state by playing more threats out like oof yeah it is, is it, really will good. it result will it result in a good thing for the game maybe Maybe. I mean, people talk about how they wish that the game was more board-centric. They wish there was more creature combat, you know? Um, I know that was actually the biggest complaint at the beginning of the game's lifespan is that, uh, you know, everyone felt like it was just a game about who tricks the trades back and forth. I mean, it really, it still kind of is. Um, it's like, okay, so I have the trick and you don't have the trick, I win the game, right? That was the big complaint of it coming out of beta. And it was like, well, what about, you know, getting more creatures out, you know, really having these creatures, you know, duke it out. And I think Bastion might gravitate us in that direction, or it could just be them testing the water. What is, what is this? How does, how strong really is spell shield? Well, we'll know now that you can put it on anything. Yes, we will. Yes, we will.
Uh, it, I thought Spell Shield was great before. I thought that, so I thought that Bastion found kind of like a really cool niche spot that was like, okay, in a deck that is like semi-controlly, right? So it's a little bit controlly, and its goal is to consistently, um, right? So it's, it, I don't know, like, right? It's, it's controlling, but its goal is to control through the creatures that you, or the, the champions that you have on the board. So yeah. I'm thinking Lisa and Heimerdinger, right, specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that Bastion was just in a really good place for those two things, and I really liked Bastion in that place. Oh, God. Um, Heimerdinger now? Yeah, and now it's like... Oh, now this, I have to go build that right now. This this deck with Heimerdinger is so crazy, in my opinion. You know, I don't know. So Is, just... is, 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 there, um, is there a list for this? I, I haven't seen a Heimer, uh, but uh, I, I am now like, you have got me... Uh, hook, line, and sinker with this idea, Mark. I want to play Heimerdinger with Bastion immediately. Yeah, I think that, that like Heimerdinger Targon was something that uh, BBG was playing yesterday. Um, I don't know. It just oh. seems a little crazy to me. I think that I think that Bastion was in a good spot before. I didn't mind it. Could it have used a wee bit of tuning? Maybe. Maybe. But I don't think it needed what it got. Um, I think what it got is just kind of crazy, <laughs> to Overkill. be honest. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit crazy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, take that for what it is. I, 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 I think it was just a little. I just think it was a little much. We'll see though. We'll see. Uh, maybe they're preparing for something that's coming out in the future, or maybe we're gonna see this debuffed again before a little bit before you know we get the next thing. Well, it's so it's so hard to tell, kind of like what what we're gonna see. I don't know. It's, I it, think. I think I would, if I was going to change this, and uh, if I was going to predict how it gets changed, I would say that the plus one plus one will only last for the round, while the spell shield will last forever. So it's a little bit of you can get, you can use it as like an immediate little trick with the plus one plus one, but like that stat sticking around, the spell shield sticking around is really strong, but I don't think it's necessarily. I think that's what they want. They want the spell shield sticking around, like that's what the designers want. Sure. I think what they. I think what they missed with is the plus one plus one and how nuts that is to have lasting buffs in this game. Like I'm thinking about how I uh, was playing that uh, my Diana Twisted Fate list and how I played like Pale Cascades a bunch. Obviously those are great, but they only last for a turn. And then after a while I was like, why the heck am I not running pocket aces? And so I just put three pocket aces in and it immediately massively buffed the strength of the deck because if you have like, because I was running like elusive creatures with the Lunari Shadestalkers, but also with Diana and Quick Attack, having a lasting buff just completely changes the way that the game, the way that the deck pilots. And of course, obviously with drawing cards, pocket aces, when they get drawn, they reduce in cost, blah, 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 blah. But lasting buffs, guys, they're, especially on champs, which you commit so much to protecting. Yep. Yeah, really strong. That's all I'm gonna say. Really strong, man. So uh, yeah, I mean that's the that's the note to end on. I mean, obviously, it's a hard push for Targon. It's a hard push for Targon, and that is indeed the last card that they adjusted. So uh, we have what left to talk. Well, that's it. That's all that we have to talk about. We just have to do closing thoughts, and then we're done. Yeah, I will say this is. And I just I'm gonna keep a tally. Maybe this is. Uh, T-minus one more patch in which Noxus champions do not get reworks. <laughs> one Please. more. Katarina, Vlad, Darius, three champions that see almost no play. Can we please get 
Can we please get, especially Vlad and Katarina, can can they please just get some love? Please, 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 please. Give us a little something on them, huh? Yeah, Vlad just needs to, Vlad just needs to have some sort of, like, non-board, like, Vlad just needs to not be based entirely on what is already on your board. He's just such a win-more card, like, so bad. He's so bad. <laughs> he's, he's not good. He's really bad. He needs to do something to the opponent or create resources for you. One or the other. Yeah, he's not good. He's that's that's yep, he's not he's not great. He's not great. Yep. <laughs> okay, well I tell you what, guys, we gotta work on getting out of here, but I do have a closing thought for you today. And I, and I thought I was already perfect. <laughs> And our closing thought comes once again from the same place it's been coming from. I've been reading out of a book uh, and doing a seven-part closing thought series. And uh, and today's, today's the same. Um, so our closing thought series comes uh, from the another pillar in building healthy relationships. And that closing thought is about the pillar of trust. I want to read a quick little quote to you, and then we're going to be done. Uh, it says this, like all other pillars, truth is built through powerful choices, choices that are all about what you're going to do not about the what the other person is going to do. I don't demand your trust. I display trust by telling you the truth. I crack open my chest and show you what's going on inside of me. I choose to show you what I'm experiencing in my relationship with you, no matter what. Each time I do that, I leave you with good information and you get to make a better decision because you can now see me. Practicing truth is a very vulnerable thing to do, but is absolutely necessary when building any relationship worth keeping so the point of this is that truth is oftentimes something that we consider to be on part of the other person don't break my trust right or um yeah i'm sorry truth trust don't break my trust and then i will trust you if you do something to break my trust then i don't have to trust you but trust is actually originated in you it's by giving good information to the person that you're in a relationship with by being open honest and vulnerable we love transparency as postmodern people um as millennials and down we love transparency we look for that in our streamers we look for that in our politicians we look for that in any sphere of influence or leadership but oftentimes we ourselves do not really want to be transparent we don't want to have people see what's going on on the inside of us probably the clearest time that this had happened came back from whenever my wife and i were dating and when we were dating uh we actually had been separated while we were dating got back together and something came up and i became really frustrated and flustered and about 50 percent of the way through the conversation with her i realized that i was upset not because of anything that she had done but because of some level of fear that was going on inside of me and i needed to communicate to her that i was actually afraid that was me being brutally honest and letting her see inside to see me it was a moment of vulnerability but that allowed her to adjust and react to the situation completely differently instead of being frustrated or angry in that moment um, because i was talking about something that didn't have anything to do with fear she recognized that it was fear that was going on and she was able to sort of comment and work towards a resolution because she then finally knew what was going on it developed and built trust in our relationship i could trust her deeper because she was careful with whatever was going on inside of me she could trust me better now because she actually had an understanding of what was going on with me and was able to see 
that I was willing to be vulnerable with her. I trusted her with what was going on inside of me. So if you want a relationship that worth, that's worth keeping, you need to realize that trust doesn't start with the other person earning your trust. Trust starts with you providing trust to the other person. That way you can develop a trusting relationship. It's a slightly different way to look at trust, um, but I think it's the right way to look at it. Yeah, definitely. I think that I trust is just such a fundamental thing. And, and like the more I kind of go through, you know, my life, the more I realize like it, it all to me, I always find myself uh, it starts with little things, you know, uh, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm running late to something and make an excuse or come up with it's an unintentioned thing. But, you know, you really have to be like, look, I'm just running late and it's my bad. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's cause I, this is just only sort of adjacent, but like, I just find it like it's, it can be very easy to slip into a pattern of like, you know, um, not, not like white lies necessarily, but just like not being clear about things and not taking ownership over even the small things, because it, you know, you're like, it's not going to really make a difference, but what it does is it sets a table and sets a precedent for dishonesty. And that's just never something it's never something you want. You need to be truthful. And and that goes the same way with what you're talking about, which is you need to be willing to <clears throat> not be dishonest through omission as well. Like say what's on your heart, say what's on your mind, because, you know, squelching that down is really in a way like not going to build that trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. So hopefully our closing thoughts, the goal is, is that you will get something more out of this thing, listening to this podcast than just knowing more about Legends of Runeterra. Hopefully it helps you to do life better. That's going to be the closing for this episode of Legends Cast, though. We thank you for coming here and joining us. We're going to throw up some information in the description of the episode. So if you want to check out what DBN or I am doing, you're going to be able to do that, checking us out on Twitch and DBN on YouTube. Um, I will have a couple more announcements. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry in the next week or so um oh man you know what i, I i've been like taming the cough until the very end of the episode dvn and then here it comes like <laughs> swooping in at the very end and when i'm trying to do a clean closing to the show but uh yeah i'll have some more announcements of stuff that's going to be going on in my life hopefully in the next couple of weeks and maybe you'll want to join in on some of that but it's going to be involving twitch for sure um but uh but yeah i think that's about it for this episode come and join our discord if you're in the league it's starting this week so hopefully you are going to be part of that and that will be fun and enjoyable uh, if you want to support us go over to patreon.com slash legendscast that's going to do it for this week's episode thank you so much for joining us and be sure to come back again next week thanks for listening to legendscast this episode was made possible by listeners like you if you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.